trends that we see moving into 2023. We're expecting to see more companies refreshing their identities, which should result in more with an explicit purpose or a value-driven theme in their sustainability or ESG reporting. Hi, I'm Prab Banga. And I'm Adam Borgatti. Welcome to the Road to Net Zero. Acon's sustainability podcast. Hi everyone, Happy New Year and welcome to our first podcast episode of 2023. Hope everyone had a safe and happy holiday season. The month of January always reminds me of reporting season. Sustainability reports are among us. But before we get into our topic for today, joining me as my new official co-host is Adam Borgatti, Senior Vice President, Corporate Development and Investor Relations. Adam did such a great job in December that we've decided to offer him the job. Thank you, Prep. Pleasure to be here as part of the podcast as the new co-host. I think all the family and friends that I encouraged to tune into my first episode skewed the audience statistics and secured my seat here. Sustainability reports is a timely topic to be discussing. Specifically within our sector, we've seen an increased demand for ESG reporting from investors, clients, and other stakeholders. Of note, reporting of carbon targets by the world's largest industrial companies increased from 46% in 2017 to 79% in 2022. In 2019, Acon was one of the first construction companies in Canada to produce a sustainability report. We were also one of the first in Canada to report using external frameworks, such as the Task Force for Climate Change Disclosure and the Sustainability Accounting Standards Board, also known as TCFD and SASB. TCFD adoption by the industrial sector globally has essentially doubled from 2020 to 2022 from 16% to 31% now reporting and SASB is the leading reporting standard among companies in the U.S. and Canada. I usually like to refer to TCFD and SASB and GRI and all of the other reporting frameworks as the alphabet soup. So it could get really confusing sometimes, but definitely TCFD and SASB standards um, are becoming key elements of the sustainability reporting world. With the establishment of the International Sustainability Standards uh, Board, there is a common reporting language that's coming on the horizon. So that's why we've invited Wes here, Wesley G, to talk to us about sustainability reporting. Wesley G is a Chief Sustainability Officer at Works Design, and we're delighted to have him with us today. Wes leads the Business Development and Sustainability Advisory Services at The Work. I've personally known Wes for about seven years now and worked with him on many, many sustainability reports. I think actually my very first GRI report I worked on with Wes. So welcome, Wes. Great. I'm delighted to be here. Maybe we can start off by getting a quick overview of the key trends in reporting you expect to see in 2023, Wes. Great. So I guess just as a really quick snapshot of the trends research, this is research we've been doing at the studio for 11 years now, and it really helps us understand how leading companies globally are communicating and reporting on sustainability using a range of tools, not only just that 52-page PDF that we all know and love, but also uh, the use of websites, social media, and other assets. So, you know, one of our big pushes as a studio is to get companies to inform and engage with intention. So beyond box ticking, so that they're owning the narrative and not just their data. And so a few things that, um, you know, a few, few key trends that we see moving into 2023. You know, one, uh, we're expecting to see more companies refreshing their identities, which should result in more with an explicit purpose or a value-driven theme in their sustainability or ESG reporting rather than just a point-in-time disclosure. So um, seeing that along with better details on governance um, and integrated reporting for those pursuing that area 
changing maybe in some cases from that big kahuna publication to a suite of reports that are timely, consistent, targeted, and trackable. You know, we saw that despite the significant adoption of SASB and TCFD, the GRI is still the most commonly applied globally. Though SASB and through that the ISSB may surpass GRI in 2024 if it evolves into being something closer to the standards by having a broader range of general management approach disclosures, which would do a better job, honestly, of meeting rating agencies, analysts, investor needs, for instance. You know, when we think about the SDGs, for instance, the Sustainable Development Goals, sorry for all the acronyms, but, you know, they're going to continue to be common, but these are among the most prone to greenwashing criticisms where many companies show their notional support but offer little substance in terms of, you know, what they're actually doing to align to those. So I think that that's an area for organizations to be careful of, even though they'll consider to continue to pursue that area. We're also expecting to see fewer companies set only short-term targets, which is a great thing, you know, and a big increase in those with mid- and long-term targets, not only tied to climate, although that's certainly a big one. Net zero, for instance, is common, but, you know, I think companies pursuing these should really make sure that there's some depth behind it with some clear targets and a roadmap to help people understand if you're going to make these types of bold targets, you know, that you really should have some substance to back it up. Okay, thanks, Wes. And so you mentioned purpose, but in addition to purpose, materiality is also a key component of reporting and making sure that companies and organizations are reporting on what the most material topics are to their stakeholders and what topics are most impactful. So bringing it to our industry, the construction industry, what would you say are the most material topics for the construction industry to be reporting on? Yeah, construction is a fascinating sector, you know, because you're often involved in building, but not necessarily around the, the, the maintenance or the ongoing, uh, you know, management of these types of facilities or infrastructure. Um, but a few common ones come to mind, and, and some of them may not be a big surprise, but under people, you know, certainly focusing on health and safety is key. But beyond that, thinking about the wellness of, of, of your people thinking about labor practices and labor relations in general, especially given, um, you know, a, you know, the relationship that you have with suppliers or with unionized environments. Sometimes when we think about materials, I mean, that's, that's absolutely huge. And I know that that's an area ACON's focused on for, for, for quite some time, you know, thinking about the carbon intensity of materials or looking at the life cycle and being able to, um, communicate what you're doing within this space, even at a qualitative level, but, you know, where there are some numbers to share around the use of new materials and why you've chosen those approaches. I guess on the strategy side, um, climate resiliency of structures is, is, is absolutely key. You know, I, I used to work at Stantec years back, and, you know, when we were thinking about infrastructure projects as well, it was you know, what were these 500-year events are now suddenly becoming these, you know, 50-, 60-year events. So really showing that that level of, of knowledge and intel is going into the planning, uh, the construction, and, and, and later the, the, the ongoing kind of management of these types of uh, buildings and infrastructure. And then on the ethics and governance side, sustainable procurement, of course, you know, the relationships that you have with contractors, with suppliers, both from an environment and from a social standpoint, but also some additional topics around inclusion, 
around accessibility, of course, of buildings and infrastructure is key. And also, you know, one certainly a very sensitive topic, particularly internationally, is around corruption. You know, so being able to show a level of transparency of policies and practices around corruption will be absolutely critical. That's excellent feedback and certainly stuff that we've got on our radar and uh, some more tips in there that we're going to continue pushing uh, for our agenda and our reports. Uh, We've also been hearing a lot about getting formal insurance statements for sustainability reports and things like external verification. What are your thoughts around this and will it become a requirement? I don't think it will become a standards or a regulatory requirement anytime soon. But that may not actually be needed since the market might be telling the companies what they need. You know, we are uh, the, the demand for credible report content, data or otherwise, is certainly increasing. And as a result, we saw statistically and we have seen over time that, that more companies are seeking at least limited assurance. So moving beyond just making self declarations within their ESG or sustainability reporting. And uh, I, I guess at the same time, if, if more companies shift towards integration or integrated reporting, then added annual report or integrated reporting scrutiny may lead to more extensive assurance or verification. You know, one issue is companies are technically having an assured ESG report to boost credibility, which obviously makes sense, but sometimes it comes with very few areas that are reviewed or the areas that are reviewed aren't necessarily tied to what is material to the business. So, you know, if we take one step back around, you know, consideration of, of, of assurance or verification and what to be covered, you know, it's really important for companies to have a credible way of assessing materiality and then identify the outcomes or impact related metrics from which they want to set targets. Those are the areas that companies really should be focusing on if what they're wishing to pursue is limited assurance. I hope that helps. So Wes, what changes do you expect to see surrounding the regulatory environment with sustainability reporting and overall just the reporting landscape in 2023? I guess with updating standards, we're seeing greater requirements for companies of of many sizes to respond to the TCFD to indicate their level of uh, climate resiliency. Um, you know, that's certainly one area, um, you know, some regulators, uh, standard setters and rating agencies are also pushing for stronger, uh, for, for a more, uh, stronger, uh, consistent push around disclosure around, uh, DE and I, uh, as well as biodiversity. Um, one of the things that I'll be curious about, particularly in Canada is, you know, whether, uh, an, an indigenous reconciliation action plan, uh, or a response to uh, to uh, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, if anything, uh, may if there may be some some guidance or some recommendations or uh, let's say uh, a requirement around that for for Canadian companies at least of a certain size, um, you know th- those are a few areas. Um, I mean we're seeing another. F- I, I think we're we're another year away from significant uptake of the ISSB since it still seems like it's it's in progress. But it will be helpful to monitor the evolution of SASB, uh, you know, and, and the ISSB in general, as it may aim to expand into a GRI type structure, as I mentioned before. Um, so, you know, th- those are a few thoughts. Um, you know, I think when in one of your earlier podcasts, you talked about greenwashing as well. And, 
you know, i think that that's something for all companies to be cognizant of. hopefully they don't need regulators to tell them to not greenwash but in general, i think companies are becoming more cognizant whether they're regulated by the scc or by other regulatory agencies to be careful about the statements they're making. their claims they're making should all come from a place of substance so, you know, hopefully that warning shot or whatever we want to call it is going to push companies to perhaps be a bit more succinct in what they have to say or in being able to you know, disclose and communicate around areas that matter most and making claims that they can prove. that's excellent feedback. we were certainly proud to release our reconciliation plan last year here at acon and in the absence of guidance, you know, you've got to take your best shot at what you think is is best for your company and for the industry and so hopefully we and others continue to move that agenda forward um in the even in the absence of of standards. you know, i guess to wrap things up, wes, um if you had to leave our listeners with three pieces of advice as we all start to actually work on the physical reports coming into the year, what would it be? Um, I have a few things um, at the back of my mind here. I mean, the first is make the most of your materiality assessment experience. Um, I mean, let's be honest. You already generally know what matters most to your company. What matters more from this type of exercise is to learn why and how well are you doing in these areas and how can you improve. And as it ties to um, reporting and communication, um, learning how others want to be informed or engaged. So while you have the attention of different stakeholders or are able to do a certain level of industry research, don't just focus on the literal, you know, kind of definition of materiality and, and only what you need to disclose, but use that as an opportunity to be able to engage with others, learn from them and improve accordingly. The second bit is while reporting on targets and performance is important, um, I think, you know, companies, particularly earlier on in their journey, really need to focus on uh, showing that your house is in order. You know, so from a governance standpoint, that sustainability is integrated into a wider strategy. Um, you know, really showing showing uh, where there's leadership and accountability for this space. And then also as a part of that, how do you plan to create value? beyond just talking about what's happened in the past. You know, where is your forward trajectory and how do you create value as an organization? And the last point I'd make is just that a report, and I use that with air quotes, uh, is still key, but, but issuers or report issuers should be building off of these assets to be able to develop uh, web content, video content, uh, social media assets, and even nerdy spreadsheets for, for the street. Um, as part of an integrated reporting suite and a communications plan to be able to effectively reach not only the street, but your own people and, and many others. That's great. Thank you, Wes. So just to sum it up, it's all about materiality, creating value, and making sure that we're reaching different, diverse stakeholders with a diverse range of communication tools. Thank you so much uh, for joining our podcast. Thank you for all of your insights. It's always a pleasure chatting about the ever-evolving world of sustainability reporting. Thanks again. Take care. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. And don't forget to follow us on social media at Acon Group Inc. for more updates and teasers about upcoming episodes. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Google, or Spotify podcasts. Until next time, thanks for listening to our Road to Net Zero podcast. Podcast.